Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here from View from the Cheap Seats podcast. And this week we have one of the best sports writers in the game. And he's got a great podcast as well. Jonah Carey joins us on the podcast. Did you have fun on View from the Cheap Seats, Jonah? I had the most fun and my commute was about 14 steps down to my living room. We did it in your living room. We're in Denver. It's a little road. uh, I'm going to call it a road victory for us all. We all There's no one I want to talk to more than who right now during these baseball playoffs than than Jonah Jonah Carey. Carey. So join us on this episode because we take the deepest dive. Let me just say there is a three a <laughs> Mordecai three, three finger, finger brown reference. There you go. That's and by there. the way, Gar Ryness is not here. I'm kissing him. I'm, I'm giving love. a shout out now. I feel like he always needs to be at least in spirit. When we love talk. to the batting stance yes. guy. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost 1 million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks. Plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. You're good. Are you good? You should be good. If not, do something special for yourself to make yourself good. If you haven't listened to this show before, I have uh, conversations with uh, people. And it's uh, sort of an organic, organic, it's sort of an organic conversation opposed to, uh, say, you know, a question and answer. So it's just sort of, uh, we start, we go, and we see what happens, and we enjoy it. Uh, and uh, today we're talking to uh, John Sinclair, uh, if you don't know who he is, and you should. He is, uh, well, we cover it in the, uh, in the intro when I start talking to him, but, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a legend and a poet and he, all kinds of things. John Lennon wrote a song about him. Uh, his watch goes off a couple times in the interview. It's uh, really great. And also, if uh, you like our theme music there, that's uh, Les Blanks. You'll get more of their music at lessblanks.com. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, I uh, want to talk about something. I've been doing some uh, reading up on the uh, the Koch brothers. Do we know? Do we all know the Koch brothers? Two fucking billionaires. Uh, These guys, uh, they own pretty much. uh, They own a lot of things. They own like uh, oil companies and just woo. They own a lot. Uh, They make. they make uh, thirteen million dollars a day. That's uh, thirteen million dollars a day. That's a lot of dough in a day. And uh, but then uh, you know they they do things like uh, they they fund uh, they st- help fund and start the Tea Party. They 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 have these uh, very right wingy uh, think tanks where they where they kind of uh, work up ideas on how to. Uh, Break unions. Uh, they they were actually big uh, guys behind the old uh, t- the teachers thing there in Wisconsin uh, about a year ago. Uh, they 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 help. Uh, they work on a grassroots level of getting like people into school boards. They the things that they have done is endless. Yeah, like breaking unions and 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 starting up to stir about teachers making too much money. Let's go back to them making thirteen million dollars a year. Eh, teachers maybe make thirty eight thousand dollars a year, and these are these are the guys that um 
when Fox News talks about the uh, job creators, that's who they're talking about. These guys have been trying to break up Social Security, raise the retirement age to 70, which makes sense because, you know, when you're 70, you, you can still be working in a warehouse. Like, oh, don't worry. I'll get that box there. So, oh, my spine. <laughs> it's like, that's pretty much what... Uh, why would you want to raise the retirement age? Well, well, I don't get... I would call these guys evil, but evil is such an overused word. But they're just... Fucking cocksucker. Oh, and they, they, you know, a lot of uh, toxic dumping. They're the ones, they also help propagate this whole bullshitty, uh, you know, the thing that the ozone and the global warming isn't happening. They're the worst people on the face of the earth. They're, they're up there. Anti, they tried to get a movement. I think it was in Raleigh, North Carolina, against, uh, like, they, they wanted to kill segre the busing. And they were they went back to like George Wallace days. Uh, it's pretty great stuff. Pretty they're pretty great. They're pretty great. And I kind of think like that whole Romney thing that he said about the forty seven percent of people who just you know want to fucking live off, take money and all that stuff. I I think that's a small window, very small, like a slip up into the world of the way these people think about everybody else who's not rich like we're just these filthy fucking pigs wallowing around in our poverty you know because we're lazy and we didn't want to fucking get rich so we'll just suck off the teat of the rich <laughs> it's like these fuck and these fuckers are using their money and their influence to fuck with the poor and make us even poor and i say us because i would consider myself not a rich guy I don't own a bunch of homes. But what I'm saying is I'm 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 really opposed to violence and hurting people. But if there's if there's a crazy person out there who happens to be listening to my show and is reading Catcher in the Rye and he's and he's he's looking for sort of a a venue for his nuts, his crazy. Uh I'm just you know, maybe don't go and shoot and beetle don't go shoot one of the beetles or <laughs> you know kidnap a family of four just i don't know maybe hunt down the coke brothers just go get those guys you know maybe drag them to an empty warehouse and i just you know i'm not saying do this i'm just just putting it out in the universe maybe just tie him to a beam and Fuck them in the ass with a dildo and a broom handle. Put your sweaty, gross balls in their face. You know, just put like a nut on each eyeball and just let them sit there for a while. I don't know, maybe get a pair of pliers and just slowly pull out some of their teeth. <laughs> you know, and then just remind them, hey, hey, this is, uh, this is what the 1%, this is a message from the 1%, you know, uh... I don't know, maybe put their balls on some dry ice and I'm just saying, I mean, if you're, if you're an insane man and you're looking for a venue and you, you're just kind of like, Hey, what should I do with my crazy? Just find one of the Coke brothers, find both of them, find both of them. And you know, I don't know, maybe just uh, little bamboo shoots under the nails and then, you know, dip them in some fresh, nice new lime juice. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying kill the guys. I'm not saying do anything super evil. I'm just saying hook up their nipples to a car battery. That's 
you know, it's just, I'm just throwing out suggestions. You're the crazy person. I'm sure your crazy thoughts exceed anything I can come up with. And let's be frank, nipples to a car battery, it's a little cliche. I could have done better, but you're the crazy one. You're not, hey, crazy person, you're not telling me how to do my podcast. Um, so I'm just saying it's just an idea. It's just an idea. And, you know, I, I, I know I say a lot of things in my intros and there's, maybe there's some anger and, and then on the flip, I'm like, hey, I'm a Buddhist and I meditate. People, we're all just searching. We're all just working through the way of this world and trying to find love and acceptance. And sometimes we get really off course. <laughs> but, you know, I don't claim to have all the answers. If I did, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I'd run a church, a cult church, where I get a lot of blowjobs. Man, that's, cult leader is a good, I was looking up some stuff last night of various cult leaders. There's some dude who had a cult where he was uh, getting fellatio every 45 minutes while doing nitrous oxide. That sounds like a pretty good religion to me. I mean, if I'm on the receiving end of the fellatio, I don't, I don't know who, I mean, he, who was giving it to him. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the, you know, the Dalai Lama says that we should be tolerant of all uh, religions. But, uh, you know, I don't think the Dalai Lama has TV and has ever wound up on the 700s club. I think he might change his mind a little bit. <laughs> if, he's, if he had to listen to 15 minutes of Pat Robertson, I think the Dalai Lama would be like, this motherfucker is crazy. <laughs> this motherfucker's crazy. I was trying to do a Dalai Lama impression because he's he's got a weird voice. He's got this voice like <laughs> that. Sounded more like a Adam Sandler character. I don't know. Christianity is a hard thing for me to get behind. I've been studying. I don't know. I just I just heard a great quote uh, recently that says, "Faith makes non-thinking a virtue," and that just really gave me something to ponder that and like the conversation I had with Dave Bazan last week where he, he he talked about that once science came into the you know and started disproving a lot of things about Christianity you know it's it's kind of been a festival of uh, cosmic dissonance uh, to them ever since you know <laughs> it's like and I think that's why they're overcompensating and it's like you know modern science came post Christianity and like when they stopped and then science kind of you know started and They've been kind of taking it in the ass ever since. But, you know, don't get me wrong. Dinosaurs and man walked around together. Jesus Jesus, and Jesus had a pet dinosaur. A lot of people don't know that. Um, all right, well, I'm going to get into our uh, conversation here with uh, John Sinclair. Fucking enjoy it. You are a hard guy to introduce, by the way, because you've done fucking everything. Well. Poet, musician, right? Blues aficionado. Scholar. Scholar. That would be that. See, that's why you've got the bigger brain. You can sum that all up in one word. Uh, well, and, I know what I'd be doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess a revolutionary, too. Would you? Would you consider yourself that? Uh, not anymore. I, I just I saw this. I'm an engaged artist. 
an engaged artist. And a revolutionary to me is a person who organizes a revolutionary party and undertakes actions that are dedicated to overthrowing the government. I'm not there anymore. <laughs> I'm just a citizen. That is a good place to a be. A registered Democrat. That's another good thing to me. <laughs> Amen. I'm a works for me. <laughs> I'm uh, terrified by this upcoming election. Oh yeah, no shit. Except by uh, the guy is like killing himself right now as we speak. It's pretty I amazing. It. It's amazing. I've never seen. I couldn't ask for more. But the guy's a fucking dunce. He should never get into this in the first place. He's just going to be humiliated. I hope. That's what I'm hoping. I know. I He's just... humiliated this week, that's for sure. With these back-to-back -back idiocies. Yeah, we just have such a short attention span in this country that it's like, in next week they could be like, oh, he's great. It's just like... Well, yeah. Uh, I don't put myself in that way, but I agree with that's the way they are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any parts of that. Yeah, I got Irish heritage. We we hold grudges, and I'll hate that motherfucker for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> but I, as a as a guy who was used. What's to killing me? Well, let me just say this please. before we go out. But what's killing me is that both of these horrendous statements about the demonstrations in the Middle East and about the forty-seven percent of deadbeats, you know. One challenge on him, then he defends them. That blows my mind. How could you possibly defend that? I have no idea. What an idiot. Anyway, I hope he isn't our president. But I, I feel like, you know, that's... I'll never come back. <laughs> How long have you... I had you... a hard enough time with George Bush. Oh, I think I had a... When he got reelected, that was like a deep, deep... I was depressed. I couldn't get yeah, out of bed for like depressing. two days. Why would they do that? But I was more, even more moved in the 2002 election when they gave the entire government to the right wing. The House, the Senate, oh, the yeah. Supreme Court, which had just ruled out Al Gore, don't count any more ballots. <laughs> and then the president, you know, the son of the CIA, and I just thought, man, this is gonna get too weird. Yeah, I remember when some when Bush got elected, and they said like, if if the head of a CI of the Secret Service or, or covert in any other country would be elected the leader, they would they would riot. And here well, we. Wow, you got Putin. Yeah, he's <laughs> the same guy. It's amazing. Who's the head of the, the secret police? That's right. Yeah. He rules big time. They love him. They just reelected him. They would have reelected him the last time, but he couldn't run, so he had another guy run that would hold the office for him, Medvedev or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's the thing now, you know. <laughs> Why roll from behind the screen when you just—it's kind of desperate, so they kind of had to step out. Like Ronald Reagan, that was the big screen. Yeah. They rolled behind him, and then he can only have eight years, so George H.W. had to step up in front. He had such a compelling personality, he didn't last very long. <laughs> Maybe the addition of Dan Quayle as the vice president helped in his demise as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you got Lion Ryan. It's just... 
it's baffling that the they that party even is like, yeah, that these are the guys. These are the guys for us. I know. Well, they don't want to be bothered with it. They're busy making a lot of money. <laughs> to get mad, a guy who's one of them to step up, it's kind of heavy. Yeah. I see, but that's what terrifies me, like with what happened in 2000 when Bush got uh, wrongly elected. Like It's like, well, they're, and they're trying to pull that well, kind of shit. Well, yeah, but you had this, one of the main problems with George W. Bush is that the guys that ran against him refused to run as Democrats. As, if somebody who was like so politically active in the 60s, and not that you're not, but like, how, how do you feel about like the Occupy movement and how that is? Severely disappointed. Really? Well, I thought they were going to go somewhere. I liked everything about it up to the end of the year, and then they just faded. Yeah, to you come don't... out and have a parade on September 17th is not the same thing as having an Occupy movement. Yeah, that's true. There's so much that could be occupied, but I guess they're otherwise occupied <laughs> <laughs> with their jobs and their school and what have you. It's uh, Yeah, I was qu always questioning, like, how are See, you... See, they need a cultural movement. That's what I thought when this Occupy was going on. I'll tell you what, I got one of their newspapers... And on the front cover, it said, I love Supreme. And I thought, man, they discovered Coltrane, which to me would be the salvation for any movement of today to discover music, art, poetry, what have you, instead of this lame shit that they sell them, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, they need some kind of cultural component. Yeah, it doesn't... Because you aren't going to change this shit without changing the entire... The, the TV, the movies, the horrible music, the radio, all this stuff that they've stolen and use against us now, pop music. Yeah, it's... you got to change that because that's what makes daily life. Yeah, there seems... The one thing that bewilders me about them is they have no central figures that speak on well, their behalf. Well, I like that, though. Do you think that's a good thing? Well, I like the fact that it wasn't centered on some guys who were going to have their own TV shows next week. You know? <laughs> well, that's yeah, what I mean, that's turn into, you know. Or even if you're a terrible criminal, you might end up with your own reality show next week, you know. So I like that, and I like the fact that they didn't have any demands. They just said, this shit is fucked up. Yeah. Nobody said that for 40 years. And they, I was exhilarated. I thought, man, finally they noticed. Because this shit is fucked up, man. It's this is a seriously ruined society, you know, since Ronald Reagan got in there. To me, seriously ruined. They've just ruined what we used to like about America, you know. They don't have that anymore. Intelligence, curiosity, you know, yeah, it, it's, art production and enjoyment. Everything... So, is so pop culture oriented and yeah. like even art like you, I go to galleries and I see paintings especially art art is big business yeah it's upsetting because it's like I'm like no one's saying anything anymore they're saying things about pop culture and it's like sort of like this thing turning oh, in and shit. sorry about that. that's okay Just, I got this arm I can't figure out how to make it go off <laughs> I just got a new watch I don't know oh there it went off yeah it only rings ten times <laughs> How often does it do that? I, I've kind of, it does it all the time. And I've gotten pretty much where I just ignore it. It doesn't even, doesn't, I don't even hear it. That's sort of like the people with the politicians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, uh, uh, now I'm trying to gather back where we were with um. Oh, oh the movement. So rudely interrupted by your watch, by Casio. <laughs> um, when you said people were like they discovered Coltrane. Like, how would Coltrane affect a revolution or a movement? Which, I mean, I'm, I love Coltrane. I'm well, you need some kind of cultural underpinning, something to give you aspirations and give you pictures of the way it should be and things to make you feel and increase your empathy for other humans and for the planet itself, if we could say that. Art. Yeah, real art, not art that's designed for the marketplace, but art that's a matter of self-expression, which John Coltrane, to me, in my lifetime, is one of the most leading examples. So, you know, I mean, they don't ever even talk about this, but there's a world of difference between listening to a Muddy Waters record or an environment in which you hear Muddy Waters, John Coltrane. Curtis Mayfield, Aretha Franklin, a wall of great music like we used to have. And then you have one where you hear Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga. And the most radical artist is Madonna. <laughs> and then you got these idiots like Eminem and Kid Rock. I mean, I'm just saying one's from Detroit that I know of, but it's a whole different mental environment. There's nothing between you know it's just like seeing a, a great movie with ideas and compassion and feeling in it and then seeing shrek 3 you know it's a well i mean it's a it's the same world you see these things create our environment mental environment that we live in and if your mental environment is dominated by shrek 3 you're not going to be a very intelligent person I couldn't disagree. I, I feel I mean, like... I don't even watch television. I go to somebody's house and they're watching something on television and I, after five minutes I just say, man, how can y'all watch this? I just don't get it. But they just dumb out. And that's what culture is now. You dumb out and you pay $10 for it, you know, or more. <laughs> yeah, and everybody can be famous. That's the... Well, there's that, but I mean, big deal, you know. <laughs> it's like us we make our own radio shows you know we can do that thank god hopefully that in and of itself will be a movement that affects well who knows but at least my point is we can do it yeah you don't have to be dumb that's my basic <laughs> preachment you don't have to be like that but what's mind boggling is so many people choose this or they just accept it without ever having had the choice of something different. That's the worst part of today to me. They don't have any idea. They never heard of Miles Davis. And it's upsetting. A world without Miles Davis to me would be a world I wouldn't really even want to live in. <laughs> I wouldn't either. And it's and it's upsetting because at a time when more of this should be is accessible, people aren't finding it. They just keep gravitating towards the middle of the road, and it's... Well, that's because the rich people own everything now. Yeah, they own everything. They own every newspaper. They own every television station, every radio station, every record company, every publishing house. So they shape life to be the way they want it, which is a bunch of dumb people who would do whatever they say and give them all their money. 
It's working like a charm. They've doubled their stake in the last 10 years. It's it's overwhelming, and that's overwhelming. <laughs> that's what I liked about Occupy. They said, there's these people. They've got it all. We have nothing, and we're 99%. Nobody had really said that. They don't say that in the editorial pages of the New York Times. <laughs> Nor do you get a cultural critique. You know, you get a presentation of about how great these goofy things are, these goofy art exhibits and these goofy television shows and goofy movies. I don't know, I read the New York Times every day. I happen to know from my own experience that they've got pockets of incredibly creative music and art in New York still. But they don't say anything about them. They, they don't, they aren't there anymore. Yeah, I mean, I know a guy, a jazz musician in Chicago, and he's pretty popular. Like he's, he won a MacArthur Genius Award, and he oh. can't make I, a living. And I he dream. tours. <laughs> your dream is to get one of those. Yeah, uh, I'll uh, never get one, but that's it's a, a good dream. I don't think I'll ever get one either. <laughs> I might get a handouts for not being as bright as most people. <laughs> uh. But I mean, it's upsetting to me that jazz can't even in the country that it's created, this guy's got to go to, he, the only way he can make a living is to right. tour Europe endlessly. Right. And it's... Well, I know they don't have that. It's not what they're looking for here. <laughs> I mean, I don't listen to any... I rarely They want to pay $165 for a ticket to an Eagles reunion. There shouldn't have been an Eagles the first Thank time. You. <laughs> That's about when I left pop music. Yeah, you, your timing was when pretty the good. Eagles came in. You didn't... Yeah. I thought, this isn't what I signed up for. This this isn't rock and roll. This is six months to make one song. Excuse me. Rock and roll, they made four songs in three hours that we're still listening to today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was reading uh, uh, your guitar. Uh, oh, okay. Army. Guitar army, yeah. And But you, you go into great depth about how, and I think a lot of people forget how, a visceral rock and roll, like what a reaction well, it they, gave. That's because they've removed that part of the history. All the great stuff about the 60s, they've paved it over. You don't get it in popular culture unless some maniac with a lot of money makes a movie about something that happened then. And then you hear of Che Guevara or the Black Panthers or, you know, some great artists. But otherwise, they've, because they don't ever. They don't want this to happen ever again here. The eruption that we were part of in the 60s, they don't ever want that to happen again. And they're trying to pave the way, uh, uh, create barriers like levees <laughs> against anything like this ever happening. People taking LSD and having free concerts and making music that was expressive and made you feel something. They, yeah. they don't want this. <laughs> yeah, beatniks. I don't want no beatniks. You know, it's uh, yeah. It, there was a, it, it, and they want to make it so there's absolutely no reward for you if you do accept this path. Yeah, I th ponder like how to live more and more outside of to rely less on banks and all these things, and it's like it's fucking impossible to to really live out out on the edge. Well, yeah, You'd have but to farm. I mean, if you live out on the edge, you've got to take advantage of the banking. 
You got to have a credit card. You can do very little without a card. You can't travel. It's a. It's you can't travel by air. Forget it. You got to have a credit card. They got us by the balls. Well, yeah, yeah. That's the whole idea. <laughs> And it's like, it, going back to the thing about the 60s, it's like, there was a, a legitimate, or not a legitimate, there was a backlash against, like, the baby boomers and that era, and people would be like, fuck the 60s, fuck the hippies, fuck that era. Uh, and punk like, rock era. Yeah. Kind of hoisting the flag of ignorance. Which is that is how you... Which is ever since. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have to say, artistically, I never did like punk rock. But also, I never could see its social value. I thought it was a nice protest for those people because who wanted to hear Led Zeppelin or The Who? Oh, you make me so they happy to say that. <laughs> I, or all of that, Elton John, that whole rock thing of the 70s was so gruesome. But then to deconstruct it and just make a shittier version of it never really moved me, you know? And then I never saw anybody... In Europe, it was different where punk rock, I've learned, was quite a social movement, especially in, like, Italy, where it still prevails. People that grew up in that era now are engaged in all kinds of really yeah. good social activities. But here, they just wanted... To get rich, yeah, like there Led was Zeppelin. They didn't really try to overthrow the government. What did Johnny Thunders ever do about overthrowing the government? You know? Yeah, there was Sid there's... vicious. What did he ever do? About, <laughs> did they ever say anything about Ronald Reagan or no? No one said anything. Right. There, I mean, there's like guys like so Jello. That was me. That's me. I don't want. Oh no. I mean, there's guys I like Jello Biafra guy... and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah and... he's an intelligent guy. But uh, it's it's. Oh, well, for there's so a lot of nice guys and uh, dedicated musicians in that. Yeah, so Mike Watt, I'm thinking of. I'm a big fan of his. I'm glad to hear you don't like Led Zeppelin. You said I, I never did like Robert Plant. <laughs> well, it's like people. What people don't, people are like you can't. It's like saying God doesn't exist. People get fucking pissed off at you when you say you don't like. Yeah. But I always point out to people like one of the main reasons I hate them is all they did is blatantly stole from Elmore James and it's, oh, like, it's endless. It, yeah. Willie Dixon in particular and they wouldn't admit it. And yep. he had to sue them to get his publishing royalties. He got the check for $250,000 finally just from Led Zeppelin. But they wouldn't acknowledge that these songs that they stole from him that were recorded Written by him, produced by him, recorded by Muddy Waters, and You Shook Me, and stuff like that. They said, no, these are ours. Yeah. Fuck you. And, and to, I, I was like, how did the fuck do you sleep? Fuck you, Negroes, you know? That's what, yeah. And people would claim they're like this, the greatest rock band. I'm like, they're, they stole. It's right. like, they, you, the greatest rock bands happened 20 years before them. Right. <laughs> Chuck Berry. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're Little Richard, Bo Diddley, Fats Domino. Yeah, that's my school. That's I listen to that shit all the time. Yeah. Huge. Well, it's still good 60 years ago. Yeah, because it's honest. Chuck Berry would go in and cut Too Much Monkey Business, Brown Eyed Handsome Man, and two others in three hours. Now it's like... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not that complicated of a, a music. You need six months to <laughs> record. Oh, 
have to feel it. Maybe some Tchaikovsky would take six months. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much. I don't about know nothing about no Tchaikovsky. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I don't. Who has time for twenty minute songs? Not me. Well, I don't know. I, <laughs> I was time. just kidding. Uh, you always have time for James Brown live at the Apollo. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and you you were friends with a lot of these guys, weren't you? Were you not? Like, you yeah. you, you were buddies with Coltrane. No, no. Oh. No, I was his, I idolized Coltrane. Somebody told me something. I shook hands with him a couple of times. I thought somebody told me you did LSD with Coltrane. No, no, no. Good God. No. Wow, where did I get that? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> no, I worship Coltrane. How was he to meet, though? I mean, I would imagine He's a that... quiet guy. He was all music. I never tried. I never had the nerve to interview him. I'd suggest an interview. <laughs> Much to my chagrin. I interviewed Sun Ra, though. How was that? Well, exhilarating. Yeah. Just being around Sun Ra was an exhilarating experience. Because you'll never meet another one like that. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever get intimidated by these guys? Because it's like you yourself, like you or yeah. Well, when I was a kid, like one time, I found myself sitting there on a bar stool next to Miles Davis at the Grand Bar in Detroit on Linwood and Burlingame, and yeah, I was totally intimidated. And I idolized Miles Davis; that he was my first love in jazz. I didn't have any idea what to say to him. He's a private. Because, you know, the idolization process dehumanizes the idol. It does. <laughs> so I've learned that basically, unless someone's a raging asshole, they're easy and fun to talk with because they're just another person like yourself that's trying to make some kind of interesting expression of themselves in art you know right except for the egomaniacs and then you don't want to talk to them because you already know what they're going to say it's they're going to sing the endless song of i <laughs> that's not a very good song <laughs> no it's boring <laughs> as shit yeah I, <laughs> I i dealt with that a little last night with a performer and ah. it was just like it was like really I never had shook a hand of someone who was more just like out of my way is pretty much what the subtext to the yeah, handshake yeah, yeah. was. I was like, well, that's why you're a famous person and I I'm, I wouldn't want Well, they're to. just focused. That's why they're famous. I, guess. I don't know. They just did what they told them to do. I guess that's why. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know either. I don't understand any of it anymore. But it's like actors, you know? You go... Around people and they're just dumbfounded if the actor has been spotted in their vicinity or something like that. I imagine it's a little more blase here, being the center of acting, <laughs> but in Detroit or Cleveland or somewhere like that. Uh, and to me, an actor is just a guy that you can call up and get him, give him some money, and he'll be whoever you want him to be. <laughs> yeah. People still get really weirded out by it, even here. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Because well, I'm like, I mean, don't we... That's the paradigm. That's who you're presented with at all times. The celebrity. The celebrity culture, you know. 
pretty discreet, disgusting. <laughs> yeah. We. But then again, I just feel bad for these people. I don't have to deal. I don't have to be part of that. So I don't. <laughs> so it don't really bother me. But I see these people. You got to be around people, and and I just feel bad for them. I feel bad for these people today. That these horrible lives that they've given them. I yeah, I don't know how often they're aware of it. It seems and like they aren't even aware of it. They think they're really cool. <laughs> what what do you think is contributing to so much? I mean, people are so un, out of touch. And well, they've sculpted this cultural paradigm to do just what it's doing. They pay people an awful lot of money to program, right? I to write a movie and produce it, to write and produce a television program. They pay an awful lot of money for these things, and the people who figure them out. <laughs> And have the money. They're, they're would, dedicated. They like their world. It would be hard to turn. It's like Romney. You'd think he'd be happy with a 13% tax rate, but he wants to get elected so he can probably not pay any taxes. How much do they want? I, I ask that question all the time. I was like, how much, if I had $2 million, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Look, in my life, if I had $2,000, I'd be <laughs> rolling in dough at one time. I, I'm elated to have two thousand dollars in my. I can't can't tell you the last time. I think when I get a tax return, I'm like, I That's got a grand. What I'm right. <laughs> but but you uh, do you live mostly in Amsterdam now, or is it sort of? I travel a lot. I'm based in Amsterdam. But how how often are you just constantly traveling? And are you doing the like poetry and your blues? You have your blues yeah. band. Are you? In yeah, I do whatever I want. <laughs> I go, you know. Oh, just send me a ticket and I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty... Uh... When I'm in Holland, I don't have any work, which I really enjoy. But then I have to come here and go to England where I get a little bit of work and make some money and take it back there and buy dinner, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty... I mean, that's not an easy feat to... Pretty it. stripped down. But you don't, I mean... There's I, nothing easy about it, but it pays off, though. <laughs> but, I mean, the, what's easy about modern life of any kind? I would shoot myself if I had to own a home. <laughs> I was like, See what I'm saying? I, I don't even have an, a place of my own um, since 2003, and it's just been a tremendously liberating experience to not have to pay rent. After 50 years of trying to pay every month, getting evicted, all that shit. So now I just, I make the young people take care of me. <laughs> They're my social security. <laughs> I never had a job, you know. You've never had no a pension. paid job at all? Well, not to be on a payroll and pay tax. Right. No. Boy, that's I've great. worked. You know, I work in the culture industry, but... Yeah, it's, I don't, I think that's, I mean, I think that's, Time's up. <laughs> I think that's like one of the parts of the ways the system got us is like, you know, everyone I know, like the mid, I'm from the Midwest as well. And the mentality there is get like, you're already not even out of high school yet. And you're thinking about getting married oh, yeah, and yeah. having kids and getting a home. Job. 
And then by the time you're 30, you're like, what the fuck did I do? Well, I can't do anything. I'm here. (laughs) You're lucky, then you get to keep on, you hold on to your job and your home. Which is... Well, if you go through a period like they've just had, maybe you lose these things. Then what do you do? Because you don't have any idea. I mean, they haven't tell you how to think. So you don't know what to do when something terrible happens. See, when something terrible happens to me, I've got enough. I can think my way through it. Sometimes it takes a while, but you have to sit there and think until you figure out how to get out of your dilemma and start something else that works. <laughs> Done this several times. Yeah. But at least I'm blessed with a brain, and it's been cultivated, and I've been trained in thinking. When I went to college, you could take certain courses, and then you would learn how to how to read and how to think and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't think they teach them that anymore. I yeah, it just seems more like people. people I think you Google it now. I it, I mean, even I, my capacity to I stopped doing things like that because I felt like I couldn't remember fucking anything. So I was like. Well, you write it down. Yeah. <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, names, and I have nieces and nephews. I'm like, I don't know what you're goddamn, and I, I yeah, so I, I started to write all that shit down. doing things to make my brain better, so it, like meditation, and f- I'm like, I got to read more books just to keep my brain, you got to do brain exercises, and you're going to- Good weed. <laughs> Good weed. Works for me. <laughs> but I uh, guess you live in Amsterdam, you're kind of in weed central. Well, yeah, but I mean, they got weed everywhere. Yeah. I've been smoking weed every day for 50 years, so <laughs> wherever I am, I'll be smoking some weed. <laughs> I'll bet you that. <laughs> I wonder, like, too, how, how poor are they going to let America get? Like, but... Poor as they can get away with. They're going to take as much as they possibly can. <laughs> yeah, it's. I was reading a thing where... Th- they're in the, they think within the not so far future that the actually the suburbs will become the ghettos and the and the cities are becoming these yuppie sort of. Well, yeah, they're rich, flipping it now. It'll be like Mad Max out in the suburbs. Well, it'll be rough, you know, like Southfield, Michigan, one of the original suburbs in America now is about eighty some percent black, for example. But they all got jobs, so they don't just let the riffraff. Yeah. Maybe they will. And you're from Flint originally too. Yeah, I'm is, from Flint. I have a friend from Flint. And he gave me a tour of Flint. Whoa! Uh, yeah, and it's. I mean, makes your eyes hurt, don't it? It does, and I don't break your heart. It. I don't think people in America really know. Well, that. they don't show them that. Yeah. It was like they thought they got rid of the niggers until they had the storm in New Orleans and then they saw 25,000 of them in the Superdome. That was a sobering sight for and, America. And Barbara they Bush. They got them all put into cop car shows on TV, you know, with their hands up against the car. They didn't know they had real black people that were poor and hungry and <laughs> didn't have anywhere to go. Barbara Bush said they didn't have it that bad. Yeah. Just I noticed she wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> they kept those guys away. Was senior at the at the convention? I don't think was I this st- one. Yeah, they kept the bushes out of sight. No Cheney, no Bush, no Rumsfeld. None of those guys. They don't want to remind. Them. See, they got America 
four years have gone by and they've forgotten about George W. Bush. It, it's baffling. And they don't want to remind them. If they tried it in the mouth, all that would come back to them. But if they didn't, they won't think about it. All they're hearing is how bad Obama has done. Yeah, they forget. They just say that over and over again. They f but no one ever points out how much Reagan fucked up. Reagan now is... Yeah, that's God to them. They've greatly revi revised his history, too. It's like, he built well, government yeah. up quite a bit. It wasn't... Huge. Huge. Well, these people, the rhetoric is just horseshit. Because, and the job creation, there was a analysis last week that said about the job creation is considerably higher under Democratic presidents than under Republican presidents since 1960 or whatever. <laughs> so it's all just horseshit. But they own all the, they own all the news outlets. They own all the commentators. They own all of these people. They all participate and are paid very well to be part of this world of horseshit. That lie of the <laughs> liberal media is such a crux. Yeah, there's no kind. There's no such thing. It's like some there's of not one liberal radio station or newspaper in America. Some of the people but own a television outlet. Yeah. But then that goes back to it's like sure maybe some of these. Someone said to me, "Well, what about uh, MSNBC?" I said, "MSNBC doesn't that mean Microsoft National Broadcasting Corporation? A yeah. is Bill Gates, B is General Electric. How is that going to be liberal?" <laughs> <laughs> Those are the people that you know. They just got a. a Liberal pro, it's all they got a narrow casted liberal agenda. Per, I don't know because they know there's it. a market for it. Yeah, that's yeah, the they thing. They take care of that part of the market, but they aren't the least bit liberal. It's always Microsoft, the company that you know, the guy who became the richest guy in the world by selling the products for three times of what they're worth. <laughs> and he's a great humanitarian, though. You know, every one of these fucking computers is could have been sold to you for as they showed when they were building those remember they were building those hundred dollar computers for people in uh, Southeast Asia yeah yeah kind of they kept that you don't hear about that too much anymore but they come into my computer for a hundred bucks but you or I have to pay we get a few more bells and whistles and we pay fifteen hundred <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've been so I don't know said in Watergate, you know, follow the money. <laughs> if you keep your eye on the money, you have a pretty good analysis of why things are happening. And the point, the fact is they're making an awful lot of money with this system. Like I say, the 1%, which really it's the 1% of the 1% that controls all this shit. But the 1%, and I think it's, it could be 20 years, but it seems to me it was 10 years that they've doubled from 10 to 20% of owning the wealth and the, right. the material power of this country. But they've doubled their stake, which means that if they're already getting 70% of 100, I don't know, I can't figure that. I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> but, Neither am I. But I know what it means. Do you believe that there's like a, because I interviewed a guy recently who thinks that, uh, like he was talking about that there's there's a wall and there's like, like 
there's a handful of guys who actually are running. Do you believe that sort of yeah. conspiracy? You think they're... It's not a conspiracy. Capitalism is a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy of rich guys to, to get yeah. more and to team up with other rich guys until they can take them over, ruin them, or buy them out. You know, I mean... I think J.P. Morgan caused yeah, the first see? scare pre, pre the he crash. this the, format. Yeah, and then the Federal Reserve, which is like, when you start learning about the Federal Reserve, yeah, it's, like, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. But people... Neuroliberalizing element in today's world. It's amazing how people suddenly don't... Like, with Vietnam and Watergate, that's when everybody became extra suspicious of the government. Now it's like, you say something negative about the government, and people are like, oh, no. It's like, we've been doing horrible things. Well, they're well-trained now. You see, you got to remember, they watch television all day, every day. Yeah. And when they aren't watching television, they're in the car, driving to work, listening to some idiot talking to them on the radio, like Rush Limbaugh or or some morning jocks on a so-called rock stage. I mean, they're just surrounded by idiocy and a constant stream of propaganda, right-wing propaganda. So it's not a mystery to me why they do these things. Yeah. Because they don't have, this is what they get. Is it better in Europe? Is it, or is it kind of the same? Well, the television isn't on 24 hours a day. Usually if you're in public and you see a television on, they're showing a soccer game, which is not so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but here, you know, it's when you go get off your plane in the airport, they get CNN or some assholes and they're telling you, interpreting what's going on today and everywhere you go and every bar they have like You even go to screens, nice you know? restaurants. They have yeah. they have TVs at gas pumps now and at the checkout, it's at See the what bus. I'm it's like, and I've noticed it because sometimes I'll take the bus in LA and it's like, I want to read, and I can't read because I got this blaring. Yep. Te- well, see, <laughs> there it is in a nutshell. But it's like it's some people. But in Europe, they don't have that so much, and they have newspapers. And when you go, Los Angeles and New York are probably the only, and maybe Chicago a little bit, are the only places I've been in America where they still have a newsstand with different newspapers. Yeah. But in Europe, they're everywhere. You know, in Holland, which is a country of 16 million people, they have at least eight daily newspapers. That uh, you know, national print. Right. And you get different in France and Italy. I mean, they got. To me, I'm a newspaper fiend. I like to get the news that they're going to put out for you without having to listen to some bubble-headed guy with a leather haircut or a blonde <laughs> I can't stand it I'd Some rather news- not know anything is happening than, than go through that but in the paper if you get mad you just turn the page you know? <laughs> some of the news anchor females look like cohorts. it's like they got big tits well, and it's like that's part of it though you see yeah they say the criterion for that do they look like they're gonna give you a blow job that's the criterion, the main criterion for picking the female newsreader. That's I've I've read that. Oh, I I don't. It's just it's. That's what it's about. So that's where they start with that. I almost any time. You have to have some kind of beauty, 
or else you couldn't possibly deliver the news. <laughs> I, I used to, when Bush was president, I used to meet people from Europe, and I would, I almost felt a need to apologize. Well, yeah, well, then they're up to Bush. Do you, do you, did you ever get uh, the brunt of anything just because you were an American? No. No. I'm not your typical American, though. Yeah. Nor am I a tourist. Anywhere I go, I'm not a tourist. So. Rightfully so, they despise the tourist and the average American. And yeah, I would. Because they're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> they're on the wrong path, you know. And they have absolutely no sensitivity to the people that they're mingling with. Yeah, we, we're loud and bright. Yeah, they expect their treatment of the lower classes, the proper treatment from the service class, you know. <laughs> oh, they're such creepos. How, they're worse there even than they are in their natural habitat because they're insecure, and so they're even louder. <laughs> That's, yeah. They get even drunker. They have even less manners, you know. There is a real chip on our shoulder about Europeans in this country, of like, they're better than us. And it's like, in a weird way for all our, like, arrogance, we have a real chip on our shoulder with the rest of the world. Well, again, I have to exempt myself from that particular right. construct. I'm talking of... <laughs> I don't identify with the average American in any way except shared humanity. Right, I mean, I, I don't just feel sorry for them. It's it's bad. But, but, but I'm not going to share their outlook or their mannerisms. <laughs> That's out. You couldn't pay me enough, right? Because I don't really want that much money. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> do you though? Do you think like because uh, you said you're a registered Democrat, and I, and I always vote Democratic as well, but I. Don't, do you find a lot of the same sort of corruption within their party? It's just not as bad. Well, it's a corrupt system. Yeah. But again, it's a bipolar, binaural, what do you call it in computing, the one and the zero? Oh, but by, it's a two, by in, you, There's two things, Republicans yeah. and Democrats. So to me, the Democrats, you got to choose that because the Republicans are unacceptable. Yeah, I don't Per se, by definition. I would never vote for one. I wonder if there would ever be a viable third party. I don't think. No. No, no it's like you occupy. I mean, you got to work at it. I was whole, you got to work at it. You got you know, takes a commitment to do it. When they did have the third party running like Ralph Nader, I really resented that. Because where was he the other part of the four years? Yeah. I mean, I liked him 40 years ago when he attacked the Corvairs and what have you, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, what has Ralph Nader done for me except prevented good people from getting elected, you know? That's the way I look at him. Right. Because it isn't like four years later they're going to come back having worked and grown and gained more converts and put their views out there. They don't do that. They go back to their individual pursuits. Well, that's good for you individually, but if you want to change the the macro system, you got to address it more vigorously and with a greater focus, you know? Yeah, I believe. 
was it's like the Occupy thing. I would hope that maybe they're just refueling. Well, I thought that too, but it's been a year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and they got a political campaign going on. Milt Romney and Lyon Ryan are, are running for office. Where are they? Why don't they occupy them? I don't know. I'm not going to be there because it's not my thing. Right. But I'm a supporter. I, you know. I did a poetry reading at the Occupy site in London. I was at the one in there. You know, I checked them out. I thought it was a great thing. Was there? But I'm really one of the ninety-nine percent. Yeah. I'm a. I'm basically. I'm a pauper. I don't really. It's all I can do to maintain my lifestyle from day to day. You know, which is very stripped down. But as an artist, I'll participate. In, I'm like Wayne Kramer. I'll participate in any progressive thing, you know. They just never asked. Because, see, like even an Occupy, I'm below the level of an Occupy. I say, I'm so underground, you have to pump air into me. <laughs> see, I'm not even one they would call and ask because they don't know who I am. Because... I live in an art world that's outside of the mainstream, you know? Right. They don't know anything about it. Now, if somebody signed me up and had a publicist, a $200,000 a year publicist, putting my my product out there, I might have a chance of being known by these people, but barring that, they're not going to seek out some guy just because he has poetry and music, you know? Where he does a podcast and plays really good records, talks to interesting people. So what? Maybe we should get you a publicist and a Coke commercial. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, I was kidding. That's not even what I want. But I'm just saying that's. A, I don't say that to complain, but just to say that's the way it is. Was there like? A, it's I get to do what I do by forcing myself on the public because because I want to do this. I want to perform. I want to set my poetry to music. I want to get really good musicians, and I want to put on concerts. But there's no call for it. If I stop doing this tomorrow under my own volition, you know, so I was thinking about my radio. I got my own radio station. I put an hour every day music by different disc jockeys, including myself. I've been doing this for eight years. I started before podcasting. My 38th program was podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Some circles I'm known as a pioneer of podcasting, but again, they're very underground circles. <laughs> but if I stop doing that tomorrow, no one would ever call up and say, why well, maybe two people might send me an email and say, what happened to the stuff? But there's no demand for it. Yeah, but I mean, I think... And I've seen this when I have a product, like a record, and it's with a real record company on a rare occasion, and they hire a publicist. And then when you go uh, to different places to promote the record and perform... There's a story about you in every weekly paper and sometimes in the daily papers. They review your record, but you go back six months later without the publicist and there's not a word about you being in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you, so that's how I learned that one, you know, experientially. Yeah, but I mean, I think you've definitely had a great influence. I mean, I know, uh, I know 
people, young people who, in their twenties and stuff. Who I, the guy who produces this my podcast and puts it up, he was like, I fucking love John Sinclair. Oh, good. Well, there are some, you know. And uh, yeah, but it's like it's very narrow casted, you know. But I, but I think it spirals on. It's like you cause questioning and. <laughs> I mean, you've influenced me, and you've influenced a lot. Uh, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> and I hope that I do that as well. Like, that's why I... If I wasn't concerned about that, I wouldn't bother doing interviews like this. I regard this as part of my job, you know. Uh-huh. What was it... Did you feel like, as a, when you were young, did you feel sort of discontent or, like, something... Because yeah. <laughs> it is, like, I... Question things pretty young on, and I noticed my like my family would certain members of my family would tell nigger jokes and whatnot. And I would, even as a kid, I was like, We don't even know any black people. I'm like, right. Where is all this come? And well, I grew up in a small town where there weren't any colored people, and I had it piped into me on the radio. That's why I'm such a radio fanatic because I got my whole life from the radio. Mm -hmm. And you heard Big Joe Turner, Winoni Harris, The Clovers. Man, it was the greatest thing I'd ever been exposed to in my life. And I, that's what started. I've been that way ever since. I was about 12, probably, when that. Yeah, it's a shame to. That washed over me. And then I want to know where did this come from? Then you find out about black people. And then you found out about what they did to black people and where they had to live, and this is in the 50s, you know. And then I developed quite a bit of compassion for these people because they created this great music. And why weren't they rewarded for this? Why were they treated like animals? And then that led me when I was in college into the civil rights, early civil rights movement. I was member of the NAACP Youth Council and the Urban League Youth College chapter and what have you. And then I started actually going to where the music came from and meeting the people, and then I just stuck with them ever since. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I guess you went to a lot of the marches and stuff during Civil War? No, I wasn't much of a demonstrator. I developed this outlook that basically you demonstrated in your daily life that you, instead of going to Washington once a year, you demonstrated your beliefs in the way you lived and your interactions with others, and I've followed that ever since. That is something... I live my beliefs, so I don't feel like you could slice any part of my day or week or month and you'll find a demonstration against this shit, you know? <laughs> it's, it's strange how, because I try to, I, I always say to people, like, you vote with your, the way, your dollar. With your ass, and, right. Yeah, and it's like, so I try my best to go to, like, farmer's market, to spend my money is... Yeah, whatever. Whatever you believe in. But people really react weirdly to it sometimes. Like, Well, yeah, they're trained otherwise. <laughs> Like my friend was like, well, how do how do you not know that uh, the people at the farmers market treat their workers like shit? And that they're not Republicans. It's like it's still better than giving my money to a multinational conglomerate. To Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I was like, why are you arguing this? Yeah, I know. Well, because they got an emotional stake in this. Yeah. I mean, I see it at the. You know, I exempt myself from the 
daily life of the squares as much as I possibly can. That's a word that needs to be more used these days, well, the squares. Yeah, they don't like to hear it because it's so perfectly fitting. The TV world, it's a square world. They put that square frame around your head and then you're a square. Until <laughs> you turn it off. The great thing is you could turn it off, but nobody ever thinks about it that way. They don't think about turning it off. Now, I know quite a few people, personal friends of mine, that don't watch. If I go to their house, I don't have to worry about watching TV because they aren't watching any either. But it's a rarity. Most of the people, your friends, you go to their house, it's on. But they're putting that... I always say that you aren't watching TV, it's watching you. (laughs) (laughs) But I avoid all that, but I have to go to the airport to fly, to go places. And then it's all right there up in your face. The airport is like a primary, you know, center of of this thing. From the minute you walk in the door to the minute you walk out the other end. And I've noticed there these ridiculous so-called security measures, which are really just there to humiliate and degrade us, you know. They don't have anything to do with security. Muhammad Atta had a $4,500 first-class ticket. He could have got on with any fucking thing he wanted to, you know? <laughs> now if they passed one and they paid $1,000 and got that eyeball thing, any terrorist could go through the fast line, not even have to stand in line. If you pay 1000 and you get the, you know, so you walk in the thing. Mm-hmm. I have a f- they wouldn't know he was a terrorist when they took his picture of his eyeballs. Right. So he could go through there any time. So it's all horse shit. My friend is... Millions and millions and millions of people, hours tied up in this thing just to make you feel humiliated and like you're small and they know what's best. And But if you ever... I used to snap sometimes. What is that? Well, they'd say, take off your belt. Oh. Well, I wear suspenders. Say, take off your suspenders. Say, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> 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 Look, here they are, you know, look them over. And the people look at you like you're a commie, like you're a terrorist. If, you, if they tell you they're gonna take your flight and you aren't gonna get your flight, and they aren't sure when they're going to be able to put you on another one because blah, 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 blah. And you dare to protest, and the other people around you look at you like you're a fucking flaming criminal. Because they just take it. They're trained to take it. Yeah. And to pay well for it. You notice there weren't any protests about when they started charging you for your bags. I find that the most absurd thing in the world. Well, it's not absurd. Last year they made $3.6 billion in profit on the bags checking because they didn't have to spend any more money. They were already checking the bags. They already had the people that put the bags on. They already had the room. They didn't have to spend another dollar, and they're charging you 25 each bag. Because they were, didn't they claim $3.6 billion just for the suitcases. That's in fucking insane. But nobody ever says anything about it. See, that's what I thought about the Occupy when they stood up and said this shit is fucked up. They don't ever say that. They aren't saying it today. It was fucked up. I read quite a few uh, yeah, what do they call those pundit pieces about the Occupy anniversary guy today or yesterday, whatever it was. The New York Times had quite a piece about it. 
And he rightfully said that it's just, it's gone away. But when they stood up and said that, it was just shocking because they, they don't say that. They don't really let you say it. Say you were an actor or a celebrity and you started saying these things. Pretty soon, you wouldn't be asked to go on these shows by the producers anymore. You know, your views wouldn't really be represented anymore. It's anyone with a... Unless you're extremely hot, like uh, <laughs> Lady Gaga. Right. She's got some interesting obsessions about contemporary culture, the gay part especially. I like that. Don't ever make me listen to one of her records, but I like, you know. <laughs> or Madonna, I was really, after despising Madonna for all these years, I found myself being sympathetic to her when she went to Russia and put Pussy Riot on her back in the Moscow arena and supported these these brilliant young women who were protesting the relationship between the church and the state in the new Russia, which, of course, didn't used to allow a church, wisely enough. <laughs> yeah, it's any I saw a clip of Madonna giving a talk between songs on stage in Moscow about uh, anti-gay, uh, uh, supporting gay people and the... It was inspirational. I thought it was great, but I mean, unless you're that big. See, if you're just coming up and you say something out of line, you aren't going any farther. They got it blocked out. Yeah. Just like me, you won't see me in the New York Times. They won't ever be calling me to ask me for my opinion about <laughs> something, you know. They won't be offering me anything to review a book or... Because I'm well-known, if I'm known at all, I'm well-known for being completely opposed to the consumer culture. So they'd be out of their minds to recruit me, or, <laughs> you know, because I'm against them. And that's the way they got it set up. They just got it set up. See, back in the day, in the 60s, it was so dynamic, it was on the cusp of an era when everything was small. And when guys who love music could start a record company, like Alma Erdogan and Jerry Wexler, they could start a record company to record Ruth Brown and Big Joe Turner and Ray Charles and people like that. They could buy Ray Charles' contract from his former con company for like $2,700, you know. <laughs> you know, and they would sell, and they had radio stations that would play this music day and night, and... And in the 60s, you could still be a band in Detroit and have a record and get somebody to like it and put it out on Cameo Parkway like Bob Seger, heavy music, you know? Really good record. <laughs> and then you could have a... You could sell 100,000 copies. And then you could be... You know what I mean? You, yeah. could, you could enter this thing. But now you got to appease Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Nina Manyai has to say that you're good for you to get somewhere next year, you know. She just got chosen. I know everything about American Idol on the mother shows because it's front-page news on the New York Times. That's And it's worthy news. <laughs> Very important news. Yeah, I don't know anything about these people, but I know that they've sold a lot of whatever they sell. Isn't that amazing? You can take... As much as you take yourself out of it, it's still just crammed in your face. Well, that's what this is all about. Yeah. 
That's the way they got it set up. You know, take it or leave it. Do you think we're fucked? Well, I know we're fucked. We've been <laughs> fucked. You don't think we'll dig They're ourselves out? They're fucking us. That's what it's all about. We won't dig ourselves out of this, will we? Well, again, I don't know about we. I'm not too far buried. <laughs> that's uh, that's great. I, 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 that's uh, You don't have to be part of it, but you got to know that you don't have to. The hard part is, tell, is educating someone so that they don't have to go along with this because everything is the input, you know, is pushing you in that direction. There's no... Uh, there's no alternative that's offered. Right. We, used to have alter- we used to have alternative newspapers. We used to have alternative radio stations. They don't have any of that. No. You, if, if people just, people who are upset, like everybody's upset, stop spending your fucking money on these people. Stop well, giving your money to them. they don't have the connect, you see. They yeah. don't have the connect. The idea that to be part of this, you're part of, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I I have no hope of convincing anyone to do anything proper. <laughs> I, I have none. I just struggle hard to maintain my outlook and not be overwhelmed and not be put out of commission and not be afraid not to cooperate in my own suppression. <laughs> Great. I, that's that's a perfect way for us to end. I wanna... Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm dying for a cigarette, which, of course, you can't do in, that's right. uh, in a private room anymore. I Thank you very much for your time. I, I, I enjoyed this greatly. Oh, this is cool. I want to... Can you give me an MP3? Thank you very much for listening to this Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Um, if you like the show, please go to the iTunes there, give it a review, give it five stars, say something real nice about me. Say, hey, i got a real pretty voice to listen to. Listen to that right there. Is that pretty? Uh, if you super duper liked it and uh, would like to help me uh, drive around and keep my equipment tidy and uh, donate some money, you know, skip out on that Starbucks. Those guys make enough money. Make a cup of coffee at home and give me a dollar or two. Or if you can't afford that, you know, just the next time you buy something on Amazon, there's a link on my page there at feralaudio.com, F-E-R-A-L, audio.com, and uh, buy something through the Amazon link, and I get a kickback, and that's nothing out of your pocket, and maybe you buy a nice John Candy CD, you know, something like your Uncle Buck. Um, also, check, scoop around, scoop around the old Feral Audio there. Listen to some other shows there, enjoy them. Johnny Pepperton's got a good show. There's Don Teeny. There's Please Be My Girlfriend. Those are shows I greatly enjoy. A ton. Super duper ton. And, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter. Matt underscore Dwyer. D-W-Y-R there. At the Twitter. Uh, go to my Tumblr page. Uh, I, I got a lot of great uh, interviews in the can. So uh, make sure to just keep on listening, everybody. And do yourself a favor and give yourself some love this week and spread that love around the world like a stripper spreads jam on her tits. Power to the people, everybody.
Feralaudio.com is an artist-friendly podcast collective. Hosted by castmates.fm. Host your own podcast at castmates.fm today. All of our artists reserve the rights to their materials. Your donations directly support your favorite artists, help pay for their show's production, and keep your favorite shows free. Visit feralaudio.com for other original shows and learn about our community of artists that help make this collective possible. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This outro features the music of the fancy. We are the fancy.net. the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.